lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Jeremy Lee in the building and every guest that you ever needed. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates, hobby talk like you never seen it. Sports cards live and nothing could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. All right, guys, we are back again. Welcome to episode number 203 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday night, November the 4th, 2023. My name is Jeremy Lee. I want to thank everybody who joined us last time with Richard Scott. Great episode, great books. You can find those books that he sells on the Amazon bookstore. And uh, check out that video if you would like. No episode, everybody. No episode next Saturday. I will be at Toronto at the Sport Card Expo. And so we'll have another break from the show. We have other content on the channel coming. Tomorrow night, Josh Madigan of the Hockey Cards Gong Show joins me for our weekly PWCC hockey auction coverage. And then on Monday night, Michael Hathaway joins me for the weekly MC Mondays Live eBay auction coverage. Both shows are always a blast and educational. Don't forget the education component of those shows. I'd like to ask you to join close to half a million people who have downloaded the Center Stage app across both iOS and Android for quick comps and card management features. Their app is the fastest and most accurate at card shows or at home to help you price your cards. You can build, organize, and share your collections with friends and find other collectors to follow using their social sharing features. Marketplace features are coming soon. Check out their Instagram account and join me in supporting the great team they have and the in, and the innovation they are undertaking. Also, Use protection, practice safe swaps. Veriswap is an app and middleman service that lets you securely trade cards through the mail. Every transaction up to a million dollars in value is fully insured by their guarantee. Check them out on iOS and Android. The app is now available in Canada. Use the referral link in the video description and your first trade is $1. Also, they're sponsoring the Saturday night trade night at the Sport Card Expo next weekend. I want to shout out Leighton Sheldon, Just Collect. He will hopefully be joining us Later tonight, he had a delayed flight today. Hopefully, he makes it in time to join us. And if you haven't yet heard, ComC is now supporting tag-rated cards on their platform, Tags, Tag Ratings Discord server and, and Facebook group. You can join by visiting the website. You'll find about you'll find out about grading drops, surprise drops, and all news tag www.taggrading.com. Who says www anymore? I don't know. Anyway, thank you to all of these sports cards live sponsors and partners and thanks to all of our loyal viewers and listeners if you're not yet subscribed to the youtube channel or the podcast please take a moment and do so and as always tonight your comments your questions are in play all right good let's get to tonight's guest he really doesn't need an introduction he's been on the show before you all know who he is let's bring him out right away jeff wilson welcome back to sports cards live jeff how are you doing today Jeremy, I'm great. It's great to be back with you. I'm 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 a little sad because it is the week of the Sport Card Expo, which is one of the greatest card shows, certainly Canada's greatest and always a fun one to go to. And and I will be missing it this year for the first time in a few years, which I'm sad about. I got good reasons as to why, but um, you know, I'm so I'm a little sad. I'm not going to get a, get up there and see you. Hopefully some of the folks in your audience are still going to get to go because it is it is a wonderful show. I hope so too. I'm just, I, I'm now seeing, let me uh, change up the mic. Is that a little bit better? I think that might be a bit, a little bit better now. I saw a message, I sound a little muted. I'm also a little under the weather tonight. So you might be noticing that, but 
You guys can hear me. That is great, Jeff. Yes, the expo is coming up. It would you've been there before. We've seen you there before. It would be great to have you and the team back up, but uh, we will we will go on without you in Toronto. Tonight is a is a two-segment episode. We're doing the first half with Jeff, and then an hour in, we've got Mikey. Mikey uh, Singer, who runs the expo, and Amita Cheria, he's been on with me several times. We do the pre-expo show, the post-expo uh, debrief episodes. He'll be coming on. They'll be joining us in a little while tonight. But uh, I wanted to get Jeff on. Jeff's got some big news lately. Jeff, um, along with some partners, you are opening up a new LCS, a new card shop in the Atlanta area. And um, I, you know, I've, I've read about it, what you've posted. I visited the website. Um, you got, you have something really big going on there. I'd like to start by really asking you, you know, what was the impetus, the inspiration for this? Um, was this a lifelong dream? Tell us about the decision and why finally, I say finally, why now you are opening up a card shop? Yeah. I mean, super, super excited about it and super excited to have the opportunity to do it. I've wanted, I've thought about the idea of opening up a card shop. I mean, since kind of the early days of sports card investor, um, and the only reason why I didn't take the leap before now is because I knew that I would really have to have the right people to partner with to do it. And, you know, uh, I, I've been in retail businesses in the past, and I know that they are a major operational challenge, that there's a lot to opening up a shop and operating a shop. And I have tremendous respect for great retail operators in any industry. So you got to have really great, great people and a really great team. And at Sports Card Investor, I've got an amazing team at producing content, at doing marketing, and I've got an amazing team at building out software products, market movers and our app and that kind of thing. But but I don't necessarily have card shop operators, right? So I needed to find those right people. So it was definitely, it was something in the back of my mind that I always wanted to do, but I also wasn't in a rush to do it. And it just so happened that I I found the two guys who I felt like were the right people to do it with two card entrepreneurs in Atlanta uh, named Carter and Ryan, who had really started to help build up the Atlanta card community through hosting an Atlanta trade night, um, which they put together and, and ran uh, for, you know, for the last couple of years. And um, they're all over the country. They're at the Dallas card show this weekend. They're, you know, they've been doing major shows and they were um, getting ready to open up their own shop in Atlanta. They were, they, they, the two of them decided to partner together and do a shop. It would have been a much smaller store. And I, 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 they told me this right before they signed the lease. And I said, hold on guys. I said, I've been looking to do a shop for a while. Let's have a conversation to see if it makes sense for us to partner together and do this together instead of you guys doing your own thing and me doing my own thing, you know, sometime down the road. And we met and, um, yeah, the rest is history. We decided it was going to be a great marriage and and uh, hopefully it will prove to be. So when did that happen? Like how long has this been in the works for? Obviously you would have kept it under wraps for a while, but when did that conversation happen where, uh, you know, they were going to sign the lease and you, you decided to partner up? Just over a year ago. Um, and it was kind of serendipitous because I was at the Nashville card show and uh, I walked up to their booth. Um, they were, they were, you know, a dealer there as they are at a lot of shows and I walked up to their booth and we were just casually talking and they said, Hey, by the way, we're opening up a card shop in game in, uh, in, uh, Atlanta. And I said, Oh really? And they said, yeah, actually, you know, I said, where is it going to be? And they said, well, it's you know going to be nearby. And I said, Oh, that's great. And they said, yeah, actually we're going to go sign the lease on Monday, right. When we get back from the Nashville card show. And I said, actually, 
don't go sign the lease on Monday. Come to my office and talk to me instead. And then you can go, you know, we'll, we'll see how that conversation goes. And then you can decide if you want to sign the lease or not after that. And so it was just over a year ago that that conversation took place. And it's a, it is a major process opening up a, a card shop, especially a big card shop, right? I mean, our shop is, is 14,000 square feet, which is going to make it maybe the biggest in the world. I don't know if that's officially true or not, but it's, it, it may be the biggest in the world. Um, and so, you know, finding the right location for that and, um, getting all the pieces in place, you know, we had a, we hired a really top quality architectural design firm, you know, to, to spec the whole thing out. We spent months on the architectural plans to get this thing, you know, really tailored in and just right. Um, and, you know, then going through the process of obviously permitting and hire, hiring general contractors and getting that process underway and and then, you know, figuring out distribution and product selection and all of the buying and everything like that. It's a process. So we've been in the process now for a full year and uh, we've got about at this point, hopefully just under three months ago before the shop actually opens. Our target open date is January 26th which is the first day of culture collision, which is one of the big shows um, in Atlanta. So our, and you know, our, our idea is to open up on the day that culture collision starts, which would be a lot of fun. So you said the, your partner's name, Ryan and Carter. Yes. Ryan yeah. and Carter. Yeah. Ryan and Carter. So, I mean, these guys went from maybe opening a, a small shop, you know, one, 2000 yep. square feet uh, to this massive project that you guys have going on. And, you know, I saw, I saw a video, where you guys are in there and you're showing what all the different areas you're doing the walkthrough here's going to you know what, what everything going on and i mean this isn't this isn't a car this is like a card wonderland i don't even know if it's, it's a it, there's a card shop but there's all these other things going on in there it's a it must have been a massive mindset shift for these two guys to switch from you know your standard lcs to cards hq and yeah. i love the name because seem it seems like it's going to be literally sports cards hq at least in your geographical area how how have like how have they adapted to this and is there anything else you'd like to tell us about these guys besides the fact that they're you know hobby entrepreneurs and have been yeah well you know i so they had a choice to make right so yeah their store was going to be a thousand square feet um and they were going to it was going to be the two of them so they were going to own all of it and they had saved up some money to do this shop um, and so, you know, they were excited about getting to do their own thing. And so I said, you know, what I presented to them was the opportunity to do something on a much, much grander scale and to affect the hobby on a, on a much greater level. You know, I, I hope that this card shop, I sincerely, I really, really hope like the, the greatest outcome for me of this card shop would be if this raises the bar for what the card shop experience becomes in the future everywhere. Like that would be incredible. There's a lot of card shops around the country that are doing things really well. And I've traveled and seen, you know, I, I, I've been in, in the fortunate position of being able to go to a whole bunch of card shops in a bunch of cities across the country. And I've seen card shops, I've seen great things that different card shops are doing. And I, I absolutely borrowed ideas, you know, from the best card shops that I've seen in the world and have and took those ideas as as inspiration and and you know built on them inside our shop. I hope other card shop operators in the future are able to do the the same. I hope that I hope that you know people see what we're doing and I hope that they're inspired by what we're doing 
And then I hope they go create card shops of their own that, you know, take what we're doing and try to build upon it to make it even better. And, and that doesn't mean that, you know, every card shop has to be some mega, you know, 10,000 square foot card shop. But I think there's elements of what we're doing that could be applied into stores of all size. We're very focused on the experience. I mean, experience is the number one word of the day for us. Like it's, it's customer experience. What is the experience like coming into the shop? We want people to come in and linger and, and, and we could talk more about that, but going back to your original question, you know, I presented Carter and Ryan with all of this and I said, look, here's the choice guys. I said, you can either have a, a smaller part of a potentially really, you know, huge thing that maybe sets the standard. If all goes well, really sets the standard for the hobby going forward, or you can have a hundred percent of what you were already going to do. And that's the choice that, you know, you guys have to make. And ultimately Carter and Ryan were really intrigued by that concept of leveling up the hobby as a whole and, you know, letting others see what was possible and inspiring others. And so they decided that they were going to kind of put their own plans on the shelf and, and join, you know, join with me and we were going to do this thing together. Well, I think of it like restaurants in a way, you know, you've got, well, you got, you got 500 square foot restaurant, thousand square foot restaurants, then you got 10 and 15,000 square foot restaurants. And so while Cards HQ will likely set, sounds like it's going to set a new standard for what a card shop can be based on the experience. I think, I think that's pretty awesome. You know, not, it's not going to be replicated everywhere all the time by all the other LCS entrepreneurs that are going to come out there, but maybe parts of it will be. Um, and I think, I think it's a, it, that, that's pretty cool. So the location now you've talked about the location a little bit, tell us a bit about where it is and what, why it's important. Yeah. Our location's in Atlanta, right near the baseball stadium. So the, the brave stadium in Atlanta, they build up this new stadium and this whole area around it called the battery. Um, uh, gosh, how five, six years ago now, maybe that that all opens. And it's a it's a wonderful part of town. So we wanted to be up there in that general area. Obviously, the Braves, a great franchise, very well attended, top five attendance in Major League Baseball. So, you know, we kind of looked in that general area. We're within a mile of the stadium, uh, which, you know, which we're super excited about. We're in a really high traffic area. If you've ever been to Atlanta, I-75 is like one of the major interstates. And then I-285 is the interstate that goes around the city. And we're real close to that intersection of I-75 and I-285. So basically the shop is easy to get to, you know, I mean, relatively speaking, right? Atlanta traffic can always be a little bit of a thing, but like it's very accessible from all parts of Atlanta. So whether you're downtown, midtown, or whether you're up in the northern suburbs or whether you're in Buckhead, no matter where you are, you can get to the shop. Our hope is that it turns into, you know, a bit of a tourist attraction. And we're, we're hopeful that, People watching, you know, maybe having a reason to come into Atlanta for a business conference or a sporting event, and then they take the trip to see Cards HQ as part of their visit. Um, but we also recognize that there's going to be a lot of people who want to see this card shop who aren't ever going to make it to Atlanta. And so that's also another big part of the mix of what we're doing is, is the live streaming capability where the entire shop is going to be live 24 hours a day, seven days a week, which is also something that's kind of groundbreaking that I, with, I, I've never seen any card shop do before. Is that with staff on site? Yes. So, yes. so there will literally be people in there 24 seven working the shop, catering to online customers. Will the doors be locked such that 
customers can't come in between like in the early morning, early late hours of the night, early hours of the morning. Correct. Yeah. The retail store itself will have, you know, relatively traditional hours. It's going to be open from, you know, generally 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, will be kind of the hours. So if you're in Atlanta, you're coming in the store, you know, between, you know, kind of a 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. But mm -hmm. we're going to have a team in the store 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and so, yeah, the doors will lock to the retail customers, but the store lights will remain on. And we're going to continue to be live in the aisles of the store, showing the store to people and, and touring them up and down the aisles of the store and selling cards live out of the showcases. All so right, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, that's new. That That's new and interesting. But it's also, you know, it's in line with where the world is going with technology. You know, we can shop online 24 seven. You're just another destination now with Cards HQ being another destination online where people can go shop 24-7 if, if they want to versus eBay or ComC or PWCC or where, wherever else. So uh, Amazon and, and, and all the other online shopping uh, platforms. So yeah, and it's and it will yeah. be more than just a website. You know, it's gonna be a it's we're gonna be it's gonna be a live stream. So you're gonna be it's gonna be an entertaining show. And again, going back to the word experience, like we're trying to build the entire store around an experience, whether you are physically in the store, or whether you're watching online. So, you know, you see a lot of like, if you go on live streaming apps, like whatnot, or fanatics live or loop or um, eBay live, or, you know, many of the others um, you see, you see people that are, they're in, they're on, they're at a desk, right? They're at a desk, whether they're doing breaks or they're, or they're showing cards for sale. If they're doing auctions on cards, they're, they're always at a desk. And we said, how do we take that concept? But instead of being at a desk, how do we actually be in the aisles of the card shop? And how do we give the person watching the stream the experience as if they had walked in the store and they were browsing up and down the uh, you know the aisles of the card shop? So that's mm -hmm. that's what we're looking to do. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a really great experience for people that are watching. Um, and 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 hopefully they get a feel like. Hopefully it's entertainment where they get to sit back and see a whole bunch of cool cards, just kind of like how that, you know, they walked into a card show and they get to browse the aisles and see a bunch of cool cards. We're going to bring that to them. A virtual card shop. That sounds, uh, sounds, I, I look forward to seeing how the, what the execution is like on that. I'll definitely check it out. Um, be curious to see how you guys roll that out. Let's go to some comments and then we'll, uh, we'll start talking a bit about some other things, but uh Want to thank the sports card therapist for joining us, Jake Dahl. Irish Flyers, we'll see you shortly at the expo. See Eddie B, what's going on? Good to have you for a live vintage card collector. Good to see you, Jake. West Texas, good to see you, Mike. Professor is here. Cage lawyer minion in the easy for easy. Good to see you, Carmudgeon, Nick Chen. Uh, Clay Phillips, what's going on? Mike, Mark Santucci had a, a couple of two week, good weeks off. Thank you. Thank you very much. Stale prod in the house, hockey barn, Brent, deep value investor. What's going on? Steve Menzi in the house. Good to see you. Steve runs the sport card expo in Toronto. We'll be seeing you in a few days. Steve, good to see you busting packs as you should try a blaster box vending machine. Any vending machines planned for the, for cards HQ? Yeah, you know, um, not not in the initial plan, but those things are cool. Those things are really cool. There was a there was a house here in Atlanta. I don't know if you saw on social, Jeremy. There was a house in Atlanta um, that that teamed up with uh, Dave and Adams and Fan Stand, which is one of the companies that makes those vending machines. And they set up in the front yard of their house 
they set up on Halloween, they set up two humongous vending machines. And so when kids came up to trick or treat, instead of getting candy, they got to go up to the vending machine and get a pack out of the vending machine. And that was uh, the trick or treating. It was super cool. And it was all, it was all run by one of those card vending stands. Um, So those are neat. Very good. The professor has an idea for a reference library at Cards HQ that includes books that he has learned about on my channel. Very nice professor. There's an idea. Jeff, Mark Santucci, will you be selling hockey? Yes. I know, I know you're, I know you're trying. How's that coming along, Jeff? It's good. And thank you. Thank you for the introduction, Jeremy. So, you know, I know one of the criticisms we get at Sports Card Investor, and it is a fair criticism, is that we don't do very much hockey coverage. You don't hear us talk about hockey a lot. And, and to be honest, it's, it's, you know, I'm, we're, we're down here in the South. We're in Atlanta. And, and, and hockey teams come and go from there already. It's never stuck. It's never stuck in Atlanta. And for, you know, for sadly, for whatever reason. Um, and, um, and so I, I just, I just don't follow hockey, you know, with the same, with the same uh, so, uh, degree of, 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 it's you understandable. know, it's interest understandable. In the sports. Um, you know, what's funny though, Jeff, is that both teams, you know, I'm, I'm originally from Winnipeg. I live in Calgary now, both Atlanta teams, the, the Atlanta flames went to Calgary and the Atlanta thrashers went to Winnipeg. So both Atlanta teams have ended, ended up being the teams that the franchises, at least that I'm a, I became fans of. So. There you go. So there's a little part of Atlanta, Atlanta in your blood there. I like that. Um, But but we are, we do recognize that there are hockey fans in Atlanta. um, And so we definitely will have hockey for sure. Uh, It won't be as big of a section as the other sports, but we will have hockey. um, And um, we are working right now with Upper Deck to get uh, distribution from Upper Deck. So we're going to have Upper Deck products in the store, uh, which we're really excited about as well. Good, good. Okay. Uh, Brent says the sports card investor investing in the hobby like no others. Well, and I want to talk a bit about the investment going into this and, you know, with where the market is at right now, but we'll get to that. Uh, we'll get to that right away. Foul five ball. I think I said hello to you. Hello again. The professor says that um, the, the card father, he's talking about Rob Varis at Burbank, doesn't do breaks in his shop and is on record as to why he doesn't. Why is Cards HQ not not listening to the card father in, in that question, I'm like, well, why would you listen? I mean, you take advice, you pick and choose you, you're, you're your own person. You have your own business model, but um, any thoughts on, you know, why you are going to do breaks in your store versus where maybe Rob decides not to. Yeah. You know, Rob, first of all, has been a great inspiration. I've learned a lot from him. I've learned a lot from Burbank sports cards, fantastic shop. Um, Rob, very, it, it, Rob is very against, uh, group breaking. Um, he thinks that it is, you know, essentially gambling and thinks that it's the wrong way to introduce people to the sports card hobby because they can buy into a lot of breaks and end up, you know, uh, with a bad outcome as a result of that. I get where he's coming from. I really do. And I think a lot of what he's saying has truth behind it, that there, there can be a gambling element to breaking, which isn't necessarily the best foot to put forward. At the same time, the flip side argument on that is that every single card in our hobby starts by coming out of a box. If nobody ever bought and ripped boxes, there would be no cards, right? So the general stance of like being anti boxes and anti breaking, it's, it's kind of like, well, that's, that's, that's the hobby. Like every, everything comes out of boxes the breaking thing I get, it can really turn into gambling sometimes, but, but on the other hand, it can make, 
it can make it more affordable for people to get into high-end breaks that otherwise maybe couldn't afford getting into a high-end break. I mean, I speak for myself. I love, uh, you know, being in a break of a high-end product like Topps Dynasty or, or, you know, Panini National Treasures or Flawless, but those boxes are wicked expensive. And I I don't want to go buy a whole box of Flawless. That's like, you know, it's, it's, that's, you know, the return on that most of the times is suicide, but being able to join a group break and buy the Atlanta Falcons because I want to see if I can get like a Desmond Ritter card or, you know, something like that. Like that's exciting for me. Um, and, and yet it's a much more affordable way of approaching it. So, you know, it's, I, I understand both sides of the argument. And I think what I would say is that we're going to, we are, we are going to do breaking, but that we're going to approach it with a lot of professionalism, a lot of care. It's, we're not going to have spinning wheels and we're not going to have, um, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to do mystery packs. We're going to, we're going to try to do it in just kind of a real, like, um, honorable way, I guess you would say. Well, I I'm grateful for, for break people who participate in breaks because I don't, but that's where a lot of my cards come from. Like you said, they have to get out into the, they have to be broken out into the wild somehow. So I'm always happy, uh, that people are breaking cards and I can then buy the singles and, uh, and then they take the money and they go into more breaks. Whatever floats your boat. Hello to Stukes. Perk, good to see you. Uh, Dan's been, I'm going to bring this comment up because I just don't think it's it's really fair. But, you know, Dan, Dan's, Dan says that it, it takes a special <laughs> level of narcissism to think that in your first five years in the hobby, you're going to change the way the decades old car shops are going to do business. Well, my understanding, Jeff, is that you've been in the hobby almost your whole life. I think you worked at a card shop um, when you were younger as well. And the other thing that I would say to this comment and I'm gonna I'm gonna start with this, Jeff. Is that you know it takes sometimes a fresher mind to innovate and evolve and push the push the the envelope a little bit and try something new. So personally, I don't see it the way Dan does. I see it as a a special level of confidence and the willingness to take risk uh, to come in and try to evolve the hobby. I personally commend you for it. I don't agree with this take myself, but. Um, Dan's entitled to his opinion. Is there anything that you'd like to to say about that? I mean, look, I respect the history of the hobby. My first job ever was in a card shop when I was 14 years old. Um, And, uh, you know, I did lose touch with the hobby for many years and I got heavy back into the hobby about five years ago. And I, you know, I instantly saw the fact that I wasn't in the hobby and I got back into it. I instantly saw things that I thought could be better and that I thought could be improved. And one of the first things that I saw was there was no reliable data, transaction data, data sources, no way to chart what cards were doing in the secondary market. It was it was really difficult to understand what a fair comp would be on a card. And I said, this has got to change. And that was the impetus for creating Market Movers, for creating the Sports Card Investor app. The Sports Card Investor app, by the way, a completely free app. It is the number one most downloaded installed and used app in the sports card hobby, number one, and it is 100% free. And it allows you to look up recent sales for over 2 million cards. It's the, it's our free app. And then market movers is our paid one, which goes even further with the data and lets you look up any card. I'm not just 2 million. And you know what? The hobby didn't have any of that stuff back when I got into it. And, and it's, and I'm not just, it's not just my own products after we launched you then saw others like Card Ladder and and uh, Card Hedge and and other products like this. You mentioned earlier, um, uh, uh, Center Stage. You know, I think they're a sponsor of your show, and you know, there's others like that. 
that have all come along after we after we launched ours back in early 2020. And I think that started a trend of data and analytics and understanding the market of sports cars. And so I think having the outside perspective helped in that case. And I hope it does the same with the card shop as well. No, I'm not a, you know, 30 year, a veteran card shop operator, but I think I'm bringing some ideas to the table that I think are going to look at improving the way that, that card shops, you know, have operated. And, and by no means, you know, there's many great card shops and many great operators that are doing a fantastic job. We're just simply trying to take a lot of the good ideas we've seen out there and build upon them and do something unique and better that we hope raises the bar. Well, you've also you've also partnered with two other independent minds, I believe, who are going to be helping you run the shop. It's not like it's just the, the Jeff Wilson store. So that that's a, that's a good thing as well. Uh, we're going to go through some more comments here. Uh, Phil asks, will you buy back the Will Greer collection you pushed and made me buy? Which I find, I find you know, I, I hear you getting a lot you of that. You know what, Phil? I, 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 I hear you getting a lot of that on the on the on the Will Greer thing, but I mean, no one has ever spent money out of my pocket. I, and if I make a decision personally to buy something, I'm going to take responsibility. I'm not going to pass it off, even if my financial advisor puts me in a certain mutual fund or a stock. Um, you know, I have signed that over to him that right, and I'm not then going to uh, you know call him out on that. I might have a discussion and say, you know, what are some other options, but. Um, I don't know that, that you're you're in that same position. People, I know people like to blame you sometimes for that, but I think it takes a, a more mature mind to take responsibility for themselves when when they're the ones doing it. But but go ahead and uh, respond, Phil. Here's what you can do right now: go grab your Will Greer selection that you supposedly have. Write your name down, Phil, on a sheet of paper. I want to see those Will Greer cards with the name Phil. Take a photo. Send it to me tonight on Instagram and I will buy every single card in your collection for what you paid for it. How about that, Phil? You got to wow. send it to me tonight, though, and it's got to have your name with those cards. Wow, that's going above every single one. Could it clip it, clip it. And if I don't, if Phil does it, if Phil actually has a Will Greer collection and he sends it to me and shows me what he paid for the cards. And if I don't do it, then Jeremy can call me out. Everyone on the Internet can call me out. We will. We will call you out. Uh, some tells me that uh, that he doesn't have any Will Greer collections, uh, any real Will Greer cards anyway. But I, I guess we'll find out if he does. He just got his money back, and that's uh, all too generous uh, from you. Uh, Dan's Vintage said, when you're bleeding money by paying employees to work when there's no sales, the 24-7 will have to end. That might have been uh, before you explained what that is, because um, obviously you're not just looking to bleed money. Uh, you're going to have a, a crew on that will be, if there's no sales, you will stop that, I would think. Obviously, right? Or how would that work? Dan seems like a really fun, a really fun guy to hang out with. He's like, usually he's off. off uh, Dan's a great, Dan's like a great, a, a great contributor to the show. Often, I guess he just has an issue with you, Jeff. He's he's he's, he's a ball of optimism tonight, Dan. I appreciate the <laughs> optimism and support. Um, look, like everything else in life and in business, do I know that this is all going to work? Absolutely not. Are we going to open up the shop and figure out that certain things work well and certain things don't work and we're going to have to make changes and adjustments? A thousand percent, yes. Is 24-7 selling going to work? I don't know for sure if it will, but we're sure as heck going to try it. I hope that it will. And you know what? With the way that the hobby's growing in Asia and with the way that the hobby's growing in Europe, I I would, you know, I don't, don't, I've, I've looked at some data. I've looked at some stats. I've looked at who's doing online shopping at three and four and five in the morning. 
you got to think bigger picture, Dan. You got to think bigger picture. And I think you might be missing the boat on this one a little bit, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, well, Brent here says, imagine if every innovative person just said, well, that's how it's always been done. You know, it's like the, the old saying goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I like to think if it ain't broke, how can we make it better? And that's how innovation happens. And maybe that's, maybe that's been a bit of an issue in the hobbies that we haven't had innovation uh a lot of the innovation we've had some i don't want to say we've never had but we haven't had some real innovation in the lcs world uh in in quite some time lcs's didn't change for 40 50 well from the early my early 80s visiting my first ones and through really right through until the last five or six years so uh you know, you know jeremy one thing we're go gonna ahead. do is just so simple this is so simple and i i you know this 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 was not my idea but talk about innovation. So this summer I went to Japan and in Japan, I traveled around and saw a bunch of different card shops, sports cards and TCG stores throughout Japan. Um, of course, they've got the mint stores over there, which is their big chain of sports card shops. There's a bunch of locations throughout Japan. I visited several of those. And I visited a bunch of other stores as well, other brands, TCG stores, that kind of thing. And one thing that, that just like instantly stuck out to me was that in Japan, all of the cards are displayed vertically. Mm -hmm. They don't have showcases that are low to the ground where you look over top and you peer down into the showcase. They don't have that in Japan. In Japan, all of the card displays are upright. And I saw this and I'm like, why in the US are all of our card shops, all of them, have these displays where you have to peer over and it's hard to see things below the top row. Like you got to kind of, you know, do that to like see things on the lower row of the showcase. It's not a great customer experience. Meanwhile, in Japan, it's wonderful to browse the shops in Japan with all of the cards that are upright. So I said, we, we, we got to do this in our shop, right? But then I found out that none of the showcase manufacturers in the U.S., have that model of showcase. It doesn't like no one in the U S has it. So we had to have it custom manufactured. We, we, you know, spec'd out, I, I sent photos of what these showcases looked like in Japan and we had to have them designed out and custom manufactured so that we could get upright showcases in the U S. And so that's just like an example of a small innovation that wasn't even our own innovation. It was inspired by what's going on in a different country that we're going to bring to the U.S. And I really hope that it, when other car shop owners in the U.S. see that, I really hope it inspires them to rethink some of the showcases in their shop to be vertical instead of flat and low. Because I'm telling you, it's a better experience. Well, right here, Sumo Manko says, glad to see you're, you're mirroring some of the Japanese store sale approach. They are fun destinations when visiting Japan. So uh, there you go. Maybe you visited the stores that he is aware of. Collector's Dream, Orlando says, I'm in Florida. We'll drive up to Atlanta and check out the store. Filmington in the house. What's up, Phil? Mookie Chilson, good to see you as well. Skeppy, good to see you. Darren, what's going on? Hobby Champ says, Jeff, how will you traverse the gray area of running a card pricing app while selling cards in a more official way? Respectfully asking. No, it's a great question, right? Well, I mean, obviously, so right now our card, our you know, card pricing app is obviously all based all based on data from online auction houses like eBay and you know everything like that. Um, we've got eBay Golden, PWCC, MySlabs, Heritage, and Pristine all feed into 
um, our pricing out. So that, obviously that will continue to be the case, right? So we'll continue to have all of those data sources. Um, and we'll reference that, you know, obviously when pricing our own cards, we're going to use the app to reference that just as we, just as we do with our own, you know, with our own cards, but what's going to be interesting. Do we, do we feed our own sales data? Do we make our own sales data transparent for people to see? Like, do we take our own data of cards that get sold in the store and feed that in? It's interesting. It's an interesting concept. We've actually talked in the past to some other card shops like Burbank, about could we get their sales data so that we could also have like in-card sales data within our app? So it may be something that we pursue. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely, we have a totally different team working on the data product than is the sports card shop. So they're, they're completely separate teams. So, I mean, I, I don't think there's gonna be any type of conflict of interest. Um, you know, obviously we take data integrity very seriously and we'll continue to do so. Well, but you know that people will find conflicts of interest uh, for you, so... But uh, all you can do is, is is your best at that. Michael H., what's going on? Vintage wants to know, are you planning on doing much with vintage or mainly ultra modern? Definitely vintage will be in the shop as well, for sure. I mean, you know, there will be more ultra modern because obviously that transacts more often and there's just a lot more of it. It's easier to source, but we absolutely will have vintage in every sport. Uh, that's something we right. want to carry as well. Yeah, great, great. Jerry Hodge, what's going on? Looking forward to seeing you. At the expo, Yankees fan says, good luck, Jeff, on your new venture, Fire Sports Cards. Honestly, wish Jeff the best of luck with the shop. He could have invested in a million other things, but decided to invest in the hobby. Good luck. Uh, Brent says, funny how people hate him for being an investor, and now he's literally investing in the hobby, and people still hate. Pretty funny, and I'm not a Jeff defender. Uh, West Texas, I've been in sports cards for over 40 years. Sorry, but we need new ideas to get the youth. We were so stagnant before COVID. Uh, yeah, I think there's some, that, that makes sense to me. Vintage says, I'm not an SCI homer, but respect Jeff for wanting to grow the hobby. I mean, that's kind of where I'm coming at, uh, coming from. I, I think it's, uh, it's you're, you're going you're gonna to provide this new experience and it might be, maybe there'll be copycats. Maybe the people would, will do what you did. They'll take certain aspects of it and implement them in their own card shops. Now, listen, you have, I think, I think I've seen that this is like a $3 million investment. Did, did I see that right? Yep. Okay. So uh, that's probably going to be a little money. more than that. Now that, now that we're into construction, I'm starting to get hit with all these change orders and everything like that. But that was the original budget. Okay. Well, so, so call it four. Let's call it three million plus, whatever it is. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money to put at risk. Um, what, how are your thoughts right now with respect to, where the market is at, I mean, the market is always, it's always cyclical. You know, we're, we're, we have, we have, we have cycles within the, we have small micro cycles within the macro cycles. And right now I, I think we're, we seem to experience some dip in prices, uh, but you know, it's also a time of year. And I think I saw, I saw your video lately talking about how these are the quiet months. Oftentimes, I think it might start to ramp up with Christmas. People are buying presents for each other and that, but nonetheless, if we are, you know, kind of going back to 2019, early 2020 levels. Um, how, what are your thoughts on that? Considering you do have 3 million plus uh, in capital sitting there at risk. Yeah. So, I mean, a, a, a couple of, th so I'm obviously I'm optimistic, right. And I've been optimistic for the last few years. And at times I, I probably have been too optimistic. You know, I'll be the first to admit that about, you know, the market and card prices, 
But one thing that makes me feel really, really good is that while prices have really dropped, obviously significantly on the secondary market for a lot of cards over the last few years, transaction volume remains strong. People are still buying. They're just not willing to pay the prices that they were you know, previously willing to pay, right? There's still a lot of people buying a lot of cards. There's a lot of transaction volume taking place. All of the online marketplaces are getting good transaction volumes. You know, things are selling. They're just not selling for what people were not, were willing to pay in the past. Um, Card shows, tremendous attendance at card shows, continues to be great attendance at card shows, right? And then you've got, of course, the whole factor of fanatics coming in and the marketing they're going to be doing and everything like that. I actually think the fact that prices have fallen and the fact that now cards and wax are more affordable actually makes this more attractive to do right now. We are the the vast, vast majority of cards in our shop are going to be between $1 and $500. We're not going to be a high end, you know, shop. We're, we're going to have no, no $10,000 cards in the shop. Not a single one. That's not what we're going after. I know there's, I own a lot of those cards, but that's not what we're selling in the shop, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to hold you to that, Jeff, because there, there is something to be said for having a few pretty valuable pieces in there, uh, you know, even just to bring people in or to, to, to look at, talk about, hey, come check out this one over here. We can, really I have none. I, I got to think you have a couple. Maybe we have a few more as almost a little bit of a museum piece, but that's not what we're building our business model around. We're building our business model around affordability and high transaction volume of affordable cards. That's what we're building our business model around. And we want to do the same thing with Wax. One thing that I like about Tops and Fanatics gaining more and more of the market going forward is their products are, are more affordable. Their products are cheaper than Panini. You know, Panini's products are expensive. Tops and Fanatics products tend to be a lot more affordable. If you look at what the average, you know, if you look at a box of Tops Chrome versus a box of Prism, you know, ma- massive magnitudes of difference in terms of pricing of those types of products. And I think the affordability is going to be a really good thing. I want people to be able to walk into the shop and buy a box for a hundred bucks. I want them to be able to buy. I mean, I want to have retail product too, where they can walk in and buy a blaster for 30 bucks. And I want them to be able to walk in and, and have a whole bunch of, car, you know, buy a whole bunch of really attractive cards that they like and walk out and have only spent 80 bucks or a hundred bucks. We're going to have a lot of value bins. We're going to have a lot of dollar bins. We're going to have a lot of great cards in the 30 bucks, 50 bucks, you know, hundred buck range. Um, and so, you know, that end of the market, I still believe is strong. And I believe that that end of the market is going to remain strong. You know, the, the price drops that you're seeing, you're seeing, obviously you're seeing, um, you're, you know, you cards that people are either really, really high-end ultra-modern cards or cards that people are speculating on, cards that are pe- people are dropping a lot of money on, those are the ones that you stand to lose the most on with how the market adjusts, right? Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, $30 cards, you know, it, it tend to be a little bit safer, right? Especially if they're big name players and we're leaning into that as well, right? We're leaning into, I love, I love nothing more than a whole showcase of really cool looking Tom Brady cards and Wayne Gretzky cards and- <laughs> You know, uh, uh, you know, guys from every single sport that are that are all like twenty dollars and thirty dollars and fifty dollars. Like that's the type of thing that I think is going to be ha- has been strong. It's going to continue to be strong, et cetera. Well, I think I'm with you in that. I think that uh, while some prices are are coming down on on cards, 
it does make more cards affordable for more people. And that I think is going to help push the market back in the other direction because it's never going to stay in one place. It's always going to be cycling. It's just the nature of, of any market. And so I think you're right. I think it's probably better for your for this for an LCS. The cards are more affordable for, for people. And you're not churning away customers because you can't get or get what you do get, you have to sell it, you know, two thousand dollar boxes of prism like we saw in the past. And now you're just pissing people off and they don't want to come back into the hobby. So I think that's that's good. Dan's Vintage says, Jeff makes a very good point about transactional volume and how card show attendance. Uh, I agree that the hobby is fine. It's just a buyer's market right now. So Dan, Dan's turned it. Turned it All right, Dan, Dan and I are friends now. Thanks, I love Dan. you, Dan. Thanks, Dan. I love you, Dan. Dan's always good in the chat here. Uh, Neil, Irish Flyer says, free idea, Jeff. Leather couch lounge area for customers to rip wax and hang out. Personal break areas with phone stamps for customers to break their cards. For their social media i feel like you've got that on the plan you've got various different areas is uh can you take a minute and just tell us if that's already addressed it, it is it is 100 on the plan i love the idea irish flyers uh we love the idea for sure and we are 100 that's a big part of the plan we want this we want this to be a shop where people come in and they spend the afternoon which isn't the case with a lot of card shops like a lot of card shops are more transactional now granted a lot of them don't have as much space right we have a lot of space to be able to work with, but we're very much designing it. So like, if you come into our shop, I don't want you to, to come in and, 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 you know, I mean, sure. If you want to come in and grab something and leave fine. But what I actually really want is I want you to come in and linger and I want you to, to, to hang out and I want you to watch some games and I want you to open up a couple of boxes and I want you to do a live stream from the shop. I mean, that is what I want. So um, hopefully we're creating the environment that really encourages people to do that. We're, you know, trading is going to be allowed in the store. It's going to be encouraged in the store all the time. Even if you walk into the store and you don't buy anything, bring your cards in, trade with other collectors, hang out. It's going to be encouraged all the time. So, you know, that's that's the type of environment we want. It's a, it's a nice it's a nice environment. I've been to card shops where they just want you in and out and it's not very it's not as welcoming. So uh, Brent says, oh, man, not having some high end is a miss. I think should have a Jeff Wilson collection section. But then. Simon says uh, having high end is asking for theft and will greatly impact the insurance. He needs to pay for the shop. Uh, there's another comment similar to that. Uh, Vintage here says smart move not to have extremely expensive cards makes you a big target for thieves. So there's the pros and the cons, but something tells me that you will have some big cards in there and they'll just get locked up in the safe at night or who knows how you'll figure out the security. But I think that I'm not going to hold you to that comment that Jeff, that there won't be any five figure cards in, on the shelves. I think that there, there probably will be. Are you going to be doing any trade nights? Michael H. Trade night kind of did, but not. Uh, anyway, he mentions trade nights. Any plan to, is it just a constant trade night in Cards HQ or are you going to have events as well? I'm sure we'll do special events. I'm sure we'll do that as well. Um, but we we do also want to encourage like just on an average Saturday afternoon for people to come in and trade cards. So that we'll, 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 we will be set up for people to do that all the time. But I'm sure we will have special events as well. Mookie says, Jeff, what about grading? Will you be group submitting? Maybe you can get a tag machine to grade on site. I'm going to blow everybody's mind uh, in this regard in a couple of weeks, but I can't talk about it tonight, Jeremy. It's a little, it's, I got a little, I got a little secret up my sleeve, Jeremy. I got a little secret up my sleeve. Can't talk about it tonight, but we got a plan. We got a real big plan. All right. Well, there, uh, you got a big smirk on your face. So look forward to figuring out what that, I know a bit about some of your relationships. So, you, you never know what uh look i look forward to hearing the announcement uh jeff cards ah would be great location to do athlete signings 
as well. Any plans for that? Have you already started to to make any progress on that on the on the on that front? Uh, we haven't, but I agree that'd be fun. Um, you know, we want we want the store to have a lot going on and a lot of events, and you know, doing some athlete signings in there could be a cool thing to do. So, um, haven't explored it yet, but I do like the idea. Of Cards AH. Darren says, um, and this was a question I had for you in terms of, you know, if this goes according to plan and you're hitting some of your projections and, you know, the hobby is remains healthy and stable, will you plan to open up more locations? And if so, where would you consider or if you're willing to mention, I guess? Yeah. So that's a great question. And, and so, you know, obviously one step at a time and, and our first thing that we want to do is really uh, create this great experience in Atlanta and also create the great experience online for the people who are virtually, you know, shopping the, the, you know, with the live streaming experience that we're going to have. If we feel like we've successfully done those things, then we'll look at what's next. And I don't know what, I don't know if what's next is more shops across the country. Maybe it is. Um, or if it's expanding our virtual presence, or maybe it's some combination of both. So I'm not totally sure, but obviously I would love to see it grow beyond just what the initial is going to be. But I also think what the initial is going to be is going to be pretty good. And I think we, we need to make sure we get that right first. All right. Well, I think that's a, it's good to be good to be prudent and diligent, uh, that way for sure. Uh, Ziggy, no, hello to you. And um, Jeff, Jake Dahl says, Jeff, if you don't have a certain card in shop, will you be able to get it for us? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's almost godly type of thing to be able to just get a card anytime. But, uh, oh, speak, Jeff, in the context of this, also speak to liquidity. I know that like Rob yeah. Barris of Burbank, he's always talking about liquidity and how important that is. Can you just, in, in the spirit of Jake Dahl's question, add, add your liquidity discussion to that, if you don't mind, please. Yeah, 100%. Liquidity, I think, is a huge thing for card shops. And that's one of the biggest things I learned from Burbank and, you know, Rob and Ryan out of Burbank. Um, they are constantly, constantly buying. And, and, and buying serves a really important purpose. Not only does it obviously allow them to have fresh inventory in the store all the time, and, you know, which we want as well, but it also puts money back in the community, which then allows people to buy new cards they want, right? So being able to, you know, cash people out of cards that they don't no longer want for whatever reason and allow them to then get into cards that they then would prefer, that's that's a huge part of the function of a card shop, in my opinion. It's going to be a huge part of what we're doing. So that that whole model of like constantly buying um, is, is big. We've got two built into the store design. We've got two dedicated buying offices that are, are we're going to have buyers in there. And from the moment we open to the moment we close, we'll have two full-time buyers buying cards, you know, from anyone who walks into the store at any point in time. And we'll be giving people, you know, the option of cash or store credit. Um, and we're hoping to create just a really, um, we're hoping to definitely increase the liquidity for collectors in Atlanta through what we're doing. Sounds good. Benny, too much says, how often are you going to be in the store yourself? I'll be there a lot. So one of the cool things about the store is our sports card investor studio, uh, where we, you know, where we film everything, we're moving that into the store and it's, it's, uh, at the end of the show floor, all glassed in. So if you come into the store, you'll be able to see if we're doing our top five show or cards on the table or anything like that, we will be recording it there while the store is open. So you'll be able to watch it being recorded. And the store will be the background for all of our all of our shows going forward. 
Um, so I'll be there. I'll be there a bunch. Um, and my kids are unbelievably excited. We're going to have a um, kids trade zone, a dedicated area for kids to trade in the store. And uh, I think my kids are going to drag me to my own store, you know, every Saturday and Sunday, uh, probably to, uh, you know, they're going to want to do trades and hang out there and everything like that. So I'll probably be around there quite a bit. Simon wants to know what percentage of time do you spend working on your card related businesses versus other non card business interests? It seems like this takes up a big chunk of your time, which it certainly does seem that way. Yeah, I spend, I mean, this, this is the most fun thing I get to do. I I spend probably about 75% of my time on it with the store opening. um, It is, it is challenging. I'm looking at, I'm looking right now at, at, you know, how to handle that. And I'm looking at putting some more uh, management in place around some of my other businesses, because it's, it's going to become difficult to manage. Uh, especially with the shop opening. So yeah. I'll, I'll be, I'll have some things in place for 2024 to make that hopefully a little more uh, able to be balanced because the card stuff is, is the fun part of what I got to do. So I want to lean into that as much as I can. Hat tricks and home run says, is the buying part of the $3 million capital investment or is it on top of it? Um, when I originally calculated the $3 million, the buying was part of it. So the actual, the build out of the shop and the uh, the actual construction of the shop essentially um, was budgeted at around a million and a half. And then we budgeted about a million and a half of initial buying for initial inventory. So that was the three million. Now, I can tell you we've, we're going we're exceeding that on both fronts. Uh, you know, the the build out of the shop and everything that has to go in it with all the furniture and everything of that nature is 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 exceeding a million and a half for sure. And then we're we're going to end up with more than you know a million and a half worth of inventory too. Mm-hmm. So um, it will it will be a little bit greater on both sides. All right. So we do have a screen share here ready to go. Uh, you want to provide some commentary on the state of the market here? We have about five minutes left with Jeff, and then we're going to transition over to the uh, the expo preview portion of the show. But um, yeah, are you ready for that? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to just show a lot of people have been talking about the health of the market recently. And I did a video on the sports card investor channel not too long ago. I thought it might be interesting to just look at a couple of graphs. Just to bring the screen share up. Um, so this is, this is market movers. And so here we're looking over about the past year and a half. And what we're looking at here is what we call our SCI 500 index. So the SCI 500 index is 500 of the most prominent cards of all time. You probably recognize all of these cards as we scroll down. And it's a mix of, of um, you know, vintage and modern. And then you got ultra modern cards in here as well. Um, and all of these cards are, they're, they're higher, they're nice cards, but they're, they're also not the, the, they're not the highest end. Like, so for example, the Jordan rookie we've got in here is a PSA eight, because that's a little more approachable than like the PSA nine or 10 is for most collectors. So, you know, these, these cards, they're nice cards, but they're, they're all, you know, within reach to a degree. Right. So if you look at this whole, this, and there's, you know, there's 500 cards in total, obviously you can go through the different pages and see all the different cards that are included in the index. Um, but if you look at what the index has done overall over the last, uh, you know, year and a half, you can see that we had this big dip, which according, which, which occurred in Q4 of last year. So this is, this is the beginning of September, end of August, beginning of September. And then uh, as we got into September, October, November, we really bottomed out 
the first week of December. That was the low point of prices on all of these cards. And then it climbed back up as we got into January and February. Now it never got back up to those same levels, but it, it, it at least went back up. And this year overall was for the most part, pretty steady. Cause if you look at where prices were like back in January, so you're right about there. And then you look at where prices were in August Overall, actually, the market was slightly up this year through about August, but now we're seeing this drop again, right? And this is what people seem to be panicked about at the moment. This is the drop that we're seeing now over the last couple of months. But what strikes me is this largely so far, this is largely mirroring the same drop we saw here last year. So I think it's a seasonal pattern. I think it's a cyclical pattern. My guess would be it's going to follow a similar pattern to last year. Prices will will bottom out around the beginning of December, and then they'll start to climb, and then January will be a really strong month for the sports card market. That's what my guess is. I don't know for sure if it's going to happen again, but that's the pattern that happened last year. I think we're going to see the same pattern play out again this year, which means that if you're going to a card show like the Sport Card Expo, uh, you're right now likely in a pretty good time to buy. Um, so, and you know, especially so as we continue to get later into November and into December. So hopefully there's some, you know, some good things and market movers. You can also, let's actually take a look. I haven't looked at the hockey index, but I'm kind of curious. I'm going to bring up a couple of these hockey indexes like 2018 through 20 and 2010 through 2017. Um, and these will take a second to load and then we'll see them populate <laughs> in here on the graph. So um, yeah. So the hockey indexes are the 2018 through 2020 is that lighter blue line. And then the black line is uh, 2010 through 2017. So they're both underperforming. They've dropped more than the, uh, just the general index of sports cards over the last, um, over the last 18 months. Uh, in particular, the, the ultra modern, right? The, you know, 2018 through 2020, um, the more recent stuff has dropped the most. Um, but you know, they seem to be, you know, hopefully here we're seeing a little bit of a leveling off. We've actually seen a little bit of an increase in the ultra modern hockey market over the last three months, uh, probably due to, you know, our season, the season getting underway and interest starting to build. Um, so hopefully, you know, hopefully that, that, that remains, but it'll be interesting to see what happens when we get into January. And if we are going to see an increase, a strong increase, like we saw January of last year. Um, and Jeremy, I wanted to mention one thing while we're on here, because this is a pretty cool thing with the Sport Card Expo coming up uh, this next week here. Uh, we just, in Market Movers, we just launched currency conversion. And this is something people have been asking us about for a long time, and it's finally live. So all of our Market Movers users, you can switch to Canadian dollars, and you can now look up any card, any card. I mean, it doesn't matter you know, what, what card you want to look up, modern, vintage, et cetera. We've got every single card in, you know, in every single grade that has ever sold in, in the last uh, few years. It's all here in Market Movers. You can look all of it up um, and, um, you know, and, and see all kinds of different, you know, to sales history, if you want to see, you know, the data of, of other cards that, you know, aren't our featured cars. And as we got every single card, um, for every single player. And, and of course, now all these numbers you're seeing, these are all Canadian dollars, uh, which is cool because previously it was all US and people would always complain at the Sport Card Expo. They'd be trying to use our Market Movers app and they'd be like, this is all US dollars and they have to do conversions in their head. Now everything's Canadian dollars. So you, you can uh, look it all up in your native currency, whatever that is. 
And this is available both in the web and mobile version of Market Movers. Um, and and it, by the way, Market Movers is free to try for a week. So anyone going to the Sport Card Expo, download the Market Movers app on your phone, switch it to Canadian dollars and try it out this week uh, while you're at the expo and see if you like it. All right. Well, that's uh, that's pretty cool. There, lots, of, lots of stuff on, on all that. There are, you know, there are other things going on in the world right now besides simple, uh, s- simple hobby cycles. So, you know, do exercise caution. I do. I've been saying it for a while, Jeff, uh, for the last while. Right now has always been the best time to buy sports cards when we are in a when, in a price declining period of time. And, um, you know, it just depends on what you think, what how low you think it can go and where, you, you know, when, when you're ready and comfortable to uh, to purchase cards. But we had we had some, you know, a lot of like right here. Double D says, well, first of all, collectors never panic. We just keep buying. Sean Red, no panic if you're a collector. Uh, I, I agree with those comments where, you know, I, I've been buying throughout through the ups and the downs and hopefully it all just balances out at the end. Nunzi here says I'm watching 20 minutes behind, but I absolutely love Jeff's response and offer to Phil about his Will Greer cars. Yeah, that was that was very good. Corey, show your slabs. We'll see you shortly at the expo. All right. Um, well, listen, Jeff. I think we're I think we're good to uh, wrap up with you. Uh, thanks for coming on, and um, wish you luck with Cards HQ. I hope to. I, I do think it's going to be a destination store. I think that it will be a tourist attraction. It's, you know, people are there on business, and if you're in the hobby, you're going to have to. I know I, I'm going to have to check it out. Uh, you know, if and when I'm in the Atlanta area. So, um, yeah, I wish you luck with that, and uh, thanks for coming on. And uh, we're not going to see at the expo this time, but hopefully we'll be able to see you there in April. Although you'll be pretty busy with your store, so we'll see how that goes. But be good to see you there. If not, uh, maybe the one after that. Yeah, I'll definitely make it back up there sometime soon. The expo is a really special card show. So many, so many nice people, so many great collectors, so many collectors that have been collectors for many, many years. There's a, a super strong collector base in Canada. You know this, Jeremy, but from someone coming from the U.S., it's always impressive to see how uh, the the you know how many longtime collectors there are up there who just love it, and the expo is just it, it's awesome to see that on display. So have a great time. Appreciate you having me on the show and uh, look forward to seeing you soon, Jeremy. All right, Jeff. Thanks. Take care. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.